0: Acts chapter number 5, verse number 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I want to read it just one more time. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And so tonight, what I want to do is try to, and I'll do my best to finish this, I don't see any reason why we can't, but I want to deal with the thought of Bible-fashioned again. This is part number four. Now some of you that may be new, you may wonder why we call it Bible-fashioned. That goes back to something Brother Langston said, Um, I think it was probably June, might have been July, but he said, uh, anymore, it's even hard to say that you're old-fashioned, because people have even absconded from that, but he said, I just want to be called Bible-fashioned. And so that got me thinking, and some other things uh, kind of got us thinking about why we do in the sanctuary, in the service, why do we do what we do. Why do we pray at the beginning of a service or in a service? Why do we take up tithes and offerings? What what biblical stance is there on that? Why do we sing the way we do? And uh, so now we come to why do we preach? Now originally, and I could show you in my notes. Originally, I, I wanted to to maybe split this between preaching and testifying. I always find it comical. And I myself do it. Uh, somebody said, how'd you, how'd your service go today? Oh, it's good. We didn't have any preaching. And, uh, yeah, y'all go ahead and laugh. Some of y'all are laughing under your breath, but you know I'm telling it right. Uh, well, yeah, it's good. We didn't have any preaching. Well, usually that means, you know, people came down to the altar or people testified or what have you. And I understand what we all mean by saying that really the, the, that old cliche, the big preacher came in or stepped in. And I'm fine with that. Uh, but there truly is a biblical reason for preaching. And uh, now, I'm not going to get on style or any of that sort, but I really want to deal with just a few questions, really four, if I can get to it. Uh, but not tonight, but eventually, maybe over the next several months, we may deal with some other questions that have arisen through this study. Uh, but I was thinking as I was typing everything out today... Uh, I was called to preach November fourteenth, 1993, and uh, I'd been saved just a little over a year and uh, was under a great man of God, Brother Gary Munson, and uh, knew a lot of the same preachers you all know uh, here and uh, didn't really follow them as far as going to hear them because it seemed like everybody was up in this way or north, and uh, so there wasn't a whole lot for a 12-year-old boy to go do. Uh, but when they came to town, you can mark it down, I, I tried my best to go hear these preachers. But for 28 years, I've been preaching, and I've watched a lot of preachers. I've listened to a lot. I've read about preachers. I've read after a lot of preachers. And by some, I have learned what to do. I've seen class in the pulpit and in the pew. Uh, I've seen humility in both areas. But then, on the flip side of that, I've watched a lot of preachers and I've learned what not to do. And y'all know what I'm talking about. There, there's a lot of preachers that, and I'm just going to say this and y'all y'all decipher what I mean by this, there's a lot of good preachers, but they're not great men, okay? There's a lot of pre- people that they have charisma and they have knowledge and they can get up here and they can preach and they could raise a crowd and draw them to the altars, but but outside of the pulpit they're there're I use the word trifling, but we 'll go on uh, but I can honestly say more than anything else, and I love singing, I love singers, I love all kinds of things, but more than anything else i i I really believe that I love preaching and preachers more than anything, Amen. and there 's something about it and and, and it 's because they 're called um I was up in knoxville uh we had when i first went there we had three deacons and uh two of the deacons thought that they were called to be deacons and uh, two of them thought that it they were I'm not just i'm not being over dramatic but they thought that they um that they were doing god's will in being a deacon well it's the church that calls a deacon it's not god and so y'all need to know that right off the bat but um uh, there, it, it seems as though they almost put themselves above the preacher, and that's probably why they kept a preacher for two years and then had to get another one. Just truth be known. And I'm going somewhere with all this, so y'all, y'all don't cut me off yet. But I love preachers, and I love preaching. And um, brother David, uh, brother David called me a couple. Was it last week or so? Do you care if I share that about brother Odom? Um, Brother David called a couple weeks ago, and uh, he said he asked me if I knew Brother Garland Odom, and I said I don't know him personally, but I I know of him, I've heard of him, I've got a bunch of his books, and um, he so he's he's got uh, maybe a connection what he can get Brother Garland Odom uh, to come to the church, and he asked me if I would care. I said absolutely not, and I'll tell you why I said that, and I told Brother David this, but. All this year, I've made it a point to have missionaries come in near about every month, and you can testify to that. We've we've taken up love offerings, we've given from the church and everything. But probably about midway through the year, a little bit before, got really impressed on these older men of God. The very first one was Brother uh, Milton Taylor, and um, Brother Milton is uh, uh, Lord Lord willing. I'd love to be able to have him maybe in December. And I don't have any missionaries scheduled after November. And so I'd love to be able to have Brother Milton Taylor. But now if Brother Odom is available, he may come in. We may have three preachers here at the same time, but we're going to have Brother Odom and we're going to enjoy it and we're going to love on him. Amen. And so I'm excited about that. But I love these old preachers. And I'd love to have, I would love to have had Brother Sammy Allen and Brother Stenet Belou. I'd love to have some of these other great men of God come in, but, but the truth of the matter is, some of those great men of God, they're passing on. But as they're passing on, I want it to be said about my generation and those above us, between me and Brother Sammy Allen, I want it to be said that we are great men of God. And so, no matter who comes in, I, I want them to be... Men of God, not just a preacher and not just a man, not just a husband or a a dad or something. I want them to be men of God. And, And I'll go one step further tonight. Each of you men in here can be considered a man of God. That's not outside of the purview of the Scripture. You can be a man of God. How do you do that? You can be like Abraham and become a friend of God. You can be like David and be after God's own heart. So, so I don't want you to think that if, if we, if we talk about men of God that we're excluding you as church members. Don't think that for a moment. But I love preachers and I love preaching. In considering that thought about preachers, about preaching, I came up with at least four questions and I told you there's more than this, but at least four that I want to try to deal with tonight. And it may seem like we've got a heading and then just a bunch of Scriptures. And that's what it looks like on paper, but there's more to it than that, and I hope I can convey that this evening. But those four questions are these, and these will be our points tonight if we can get there. First of all is, what is preaching? Second is, why do we preach? Third is, what do we preach? And fourth, and maybe maybe not... The most important, but it's very important, but to whom are we preaching? And so I want to start with first, what is preaching? Well, if if you look in, everybody goes to Noah Webster. His 1828 dictionary is probably one of the best. Uh, I never really considered it a whole lot until Brother Dean McNeese began to, to tell me a little bit about it. So I usually try to go there and I usually try to get something from him. And he said this, the word preach or preaching is to promote a public discourse, to proclaim, or to publish... Now, for years I've been saying that the word preach, it means to proclaim, to publish, to testify, uh, to put put a message out there. And so, Noah Webster says the same thing. But in the Hebrew, there are two different words for preach. One is to bear news or tidings, or to gladden with news. And we'll give you an example of that here in just a little bit. The other, though, is is a little bit different. And I believe if you're going to have a... A a man of God, he's going to have to do both of these. Now, this is the Hebrew, so this is the Old Testament. We'll give you examples there. But this other phrase is to call out, to cry out, to cry for help, or to summon. And so, the word preach, according to our English language, is to uh, pronounce a public discourse, to proclaim, or to publish As we look into the Old Testament, we see that there are those two uh, uh, definitions, to bear news or to gladden with news, uh, but then also to call out or to cry out. Well, in the New Testament, as we look at the Greek, it it is to be a herald. Uh, When I think of the word herald, I think of, hark, the herald angels sing. And uh, what they are doing, if you look in the book of Luke, those those angels begin to... Herald the good news. They began to publicly and uh, um, uh, very evidently proclaim that the Messiah had come. So this is that word to herald. And it's always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, or gravity, however you want to say it. And an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. So you keep that in mind. That's the Greek, to be a herald with formality, gravity, and authority. The other is to bring good news, to announce good tidings, especially of messianic or blessings of the Messiah. And so you can see examples of all five, really, of these definitions in scripture. And that's what we want to deal with tonight. Now, just before I, I, I get away from this, this word herald, uh, if you look back in the ancient times when they were kings and princes and lords and all of those things, you would see that the, the king had a herald. He had a town crier, if you will. If there was a decree made by the king, he authorized that herald to spread the word. And that herald, the one that was spreading the word, they were protected by the king, by and on the king's authority. If you didn't like what they had to say, you could do no harm to him because he was authorized by the king. And y'all gonna get that in just a minute because we have a <laughs> in John chapter fourteen. We have a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit, and He will deal in the hearts of men, and He will draw the hearts of men. Why is He doing that? Because He's come on authority of the king. So y'all need to get that when we think about this word preaching. Number one tonight. Well, number two, I guess. Number one was what is preaching? Number two, why do we preach? Well, let's, let's get our Bibles open. Let's, let's make sure it goes up and down, sideways and backwards. You're going to have to find stuff you ain't never found before. They're not, not too bad. But first I want to look in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number one. Why do we preach? Here's an Old Testament example. Number, number one. The word of the Lord came. Jonah chapter number one, verse number one and two. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now every one of these questions that I've mentioned, why do we preach? Who do we, uh, what do we preach? To whom do we preach? Every one of those can really be answered in this one Phrase here, or one passage, verse one and two. Uh, uh, this is this is kind of an extra uh, thought, but the word of the Lord came. That's why we preach. What do we preach? He says, "I want you to go and cry against it." Why? Because their wickedness is come up before me. That's the why. But to whom? He says, "This great city, Nineveh." So there is a there is a message that must be preached. There should be a messenger to preach it, which all of us fall into that category. Uh, but we have someone to give the message to, amen? And uh, as uh, citizens of Sumter County or Sly County, we have a great deal of people that we can share the message of God with. And we can preach or proclaim or publish That message. So, uh, the Old Testament says the word of the Lord came. In Isaiah chapter number 61, uh, we see another example here. Isaiah 61, verse number 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings, there you heard that, unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. To pro, verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord to comfort all that mourn. So we find there in Jonah that he uses the word preach and that goes back to that call out, to cry, uh, to summon. He has got a message that it's not good tidings. It's not glad tidings. He's not there to cheer the people of Nineveh up, but He's there to summon them by crying out. But now we find in Isaiah chapter number 61, uh, he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's that's the question we're dealing with now. Why do we preach? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But we go through and we find that word preach there in verse number 1. And just to clarify, now we go to that other Hebrew word, to bear news or to gladden with news. So there's there's two different ways to look at this word preach. In the Old Testament. Why do we preach? The Word of the Lord came. The Spirit of God is upon me. Isaiah chapter number 6. Let's go back a few chapters. Isaiah chapter number 6. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. It says in verse number 8. This is after Isaiah has saw the Lord or has seen the Lord. Uh, this is after the post of the doors moved. This is after the seraphim cried one to another. Holy, holy, holy. We get down to verse number eight. All of these things have happened. And he says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, this is Isaiah, here am I, send me. So we, we, we saw in the Old Testament that the word of the Lord came. This is why we preach. We saw in Isaiah that the Spirit of God was upon him. That's why we preach. But now, maybe even more compelling is because God is seeking someone. Uh, myself and brother Jordan Myers the other night when we were talking, we, we got to talking about those older men and we got to talking about uh, the, the, the generations of preachers and, and he's a generation be- below me. But he says the, the sad thing is I'm not seeing very many young people being called to preach. Maybe a better way to say that is we're not seeing a lot of young men surrendering to preach. You see, there there's a twofold happening when when God calls you to preach. He does the calling. It's up to you whether or not you surrender to that call. And if you do not, uh then this is what happened in my case, uh, then I believe that God will put that calling on someone else. But with that, with you rejecting the call, there could be a judgment. Just kind of keep that in mind. So now, let's look at the New Testament. We'll come back to the Old in just a little while. But we're still talking about why do we preach. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 38. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 38. New Testament example. Why do we preach? It's why Jesus came. Look at verse number 38, Mark chapter number one. And he said unto them, <clears throat> let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. If you want to want proof of this is what Jesus intentions were, look at 39. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. So a New Testament example, and what better example is there than Christ? It's why he came to preach. What about that? You look at John chapter number 3 verse 16. We all know that, but let's go to verse 17. He he begins to say why he came. Why is that? So that people weren't condemned, so that people didn't have to be I have to face judgment. That's why He came. So He could cry out. And here we see this word, to herald or to bring good news. Now, another example. Let's turn over. That We're in Mark. Chapter number 3. Verse number 30. Verse 14. Excuse me. Verse 14. Jesus... In verse fourteen ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. so another New Testament examples is that they were sent by jesus he says he, he ordained them why, and that he might send them forth to preach let 's turn over to mark chapter number six, verse number seven and And he marveled because of, no, that's verse six. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power to over, uh, gave them power over unclean spirits. He again, he called them two by two or he sent them two by two. What were they doing brother Deke? They were going out and they were preaching. Another example, Roman chapter number 10. Romans, let me say it right, chapter number 10, verse number 15. We all know this. We may not be able to quote it, but we all know it. Let's look at verse 14. Let's look at verse 13. Let's start there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing. However, there's a little stipulation. How can they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they going to believe in somebody... How are they going to call on somebody if they don't believe in Him? He goes on, And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So preaching in the church and even outside of the church has great examples of why we do these things. I'm going to give you just a couple others about why it is commanded in Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10 verse number 42. He says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he, Jesus, which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. He's the judge of the alive or the living and the dead. That's what that word quick there means. You see, Christ has commanded us to preach. Now, you don't have to turn here if you don't want to, but I just want to give you kind of a compassionate reason why we ought to preach. There's a man by the name of John, John the Baptist. He was about to die in Matthew chapter number 11. And John, if you remember, was the one that baptized Jesus. John is the one that before he baptized Christ, he looked at Him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. It was John the Baptist that said that he was unworthy to baptize Christ. But now we find him in prison and he is asking. It says in verse number 2, John heard in the prison the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And so, if you ever have any doubts, I want you to know you're in good company. John the Baptist had some doubts too. He he wanted to make sure. All right. So it says in verse number four, Jesus answered and said unto them, and this blesses my ever loving heart right here. He didn't he didn't ridicule John. He didn't get all up in his face and say, Oh, I cannot believe you were so faithful just a year or two ago. Why in the world are you so uh, untrusting right now? Why are you doubt?" That's not what he said. He said, You go show John again those things which you do hear and see. Listen to this, verse number 5. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. So why do we preach? To reassure. We, pre- You know what we preach? We don't have a new gospel. We don't have a new Bible. There is no new revelation uh, that has come from God. We have the old, old story. We have the Old Testament, the old testimony, if you will, of those saints of God. We have the New Testament. Uh, these are those men, some that walked with Christ, some walked just after Him, some believed just after His resurrection or His crucifixion and resurrection, uh, but they have a relationship and they uh, wrote down, they pinned down under the inspiration of God the things that happened in and after his life and they gave us the doctrine that we preach and teach and believe and so why should we preach to reassure someone in doubt, to reassure someone that maybe as we preach Sunday night in temptation why should we preach the gospel, what is it why is it, why do we To reassure people. I'll quote it again. Page 323 in your red back hymnal. I love to tell the story. For those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting. To hear it like the rest. Quickly. What do we preach? This is actually the longest one. So I'm not going to give you everything on this. If you do want all these references. I'll be happy to give them to you. We saw first, why do we preach? Next, we see, what do we preach? The Old Testament. Let's go to uh, Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm chapter number 40. We find here, verse number 9. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. So... What do we preach? We ought to preach righteousness. Look at that verse again. He says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Uh, We'll go on and say, to whom do we preach? We'll refer back to this. He says, to the what? The great congregation. See there, I just saved you a couple minutes. You don't have to turn back to it. I gave you two and one. Isaiah 61, we're not going to turn back there, but if you remember, uh, Isaiah said that he the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that I might share the good tidings. Isaiah 61, verse 1. I've got the reference, I guess I got dyslexic, but I've got John chapter 1, but it's actually Jonah chapter number 1. Again, I want you to see this. Jonah chapter number 1, verse number 2. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Excuse me, we're, we're turning the page. We're in chapter number two, I believe. We're somewhere in the book of Jonah. Hold, please. Chapter three, chapter three, verse number two. I told you them, them Pakistanis, they got me all sidetracked today. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, the city, the preaching that I bid thee. You ever heard a preacher say, I'm going to give you what the Lord's laid on my heart? Well, that, that's, that's what's happening there. Now, I'll be honest with you, I mean, even recently, there's been some messages that the Lord's laid on my heart. And I'm sitting here thinking, why in the world would I be preaching at Lighthouse Baptist Church? Why in the world would I be preaching it? To, I mean, a, a, a pastor pretty much knows who's going to be at church. And and I feel pretty comfortable that I I know that y'all are saved, but see, I don't know the hearts. And God does. And so if I determine what I'm going to preach based on a book or something that sounds interesting to me, I may miss the mark. And God told Jonah for the second time, You better go to Nineveh, and when you get there, you preach unto them what I bid thee. Don't worry about your sermon notes. Don't worry about your iPad or your iPhone. Just be ready to speak when I tell you to speak. And so what do we preach We preach what God tells us to. A New Testament example, and y'all got, y'all gotta hurry. You gotta hurry. Luke chapter number four. I'm just gonna give you a couple of these. Luke chapter number four. Verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. Because he hath anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight unto the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, in my studies, I focused on verse number nineteen there because of the phrasing. I knew it was familiar, and that goes back to Isaiah chapter number sixty-one, verse number two. Okay, so just in case you're wondering where that's at. And what that's speaking of, he refers to it there in verse number 21. This day is the Scripture fulfilled in your ears. What is that Scripture? The Messiah had come. It was the day of the Lord. That's what uh, Isaiah prophesied. And now Jesus is in His public ministry. He says, it's come. He said, the day of the Lord is here. I am here. I am ready to preach. But in looking at verse number... Twenty-one. I forgot all about verse number 18 other than to make my point that Jesus preached the gospel. Everything that He said here in verse number 18 and 19 is found in Isaiah 61 verse 1. Jesus Christ is quoting what was prophesied thousands of years before He came. He said, this is why I come to preach the gospel. I love that. What, What better message can be said To preach the gospel. We can get up here and we can talk about all kinds of things. We can, America's, poor, poor America's, we only have a, a, a newspaper printed once a week and it's on Wednesday. That don't make no sense to me. And then you gotta have a subscription to get it digitally on Saturday. That don't make no sense to me. So everybody's walking around with their thumbs twiddling, not really knowing what's going on in the town of America's. But if we were to have a, Newspaper, we could probably find something we can get fired up about. City council said to do this and we didn't like it. Or student, what do you call the, the, the board of education? They decided to do this. We didn't like that. Or Joe Biden done this and we didn't, we can get fired up about something. But what better news is there than the good news of Christ? He says, Jesus, Jesus says, I'm come to preach the gospel. I'm going to give you all this this list, okay? Y'all just write fast. New Testament example is the Gospel. We just read Luke 4, verse 18. Mark 16, 15. Okay? Y'all with me? Acts 14, verse 7 and verse 21 speaks of the Gospel. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 15. The Apostle Paul says, For I am now ready to preach the Gospel in First Corinthians chapter number nine, verse number sixteen. It was the gospel that was preached, and then we see the word. Mark chapter number two, verse number two. He preached the word unto them. Acts chapter number eleven, verse number nineteen. The word. Second uh, Timothy chapter number four, verse number two. Uh, he uh, Paul admonished Timothy and says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. But then we see in Acts chapter number 8 verse 35, we ought to preach Jesus. In that particular verse it says the Lord Jesus. In Acts 10 verse 42, we're preaching Jesus. In Acts 11 verse 20, we're preaching Jesus. Somebody ridiculed on Facebook a few months ago, maybe even as late as a year ago, that said that uh, you better watch those people that says just preach Jesus because uh, they're watering down the Scripture. I'll smack you three ways from Sunday because you ought to preach. Jesus, amen. Don't, don't preach Jamie. Don't preach David or Kurt, but preach Jesus. And you can preach Jesus and talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. You can preach Jesus and talk about temptation. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. You can preach Jesus and talk about not only temptation, but deliverance. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We talked about that on Sunday night about that Holy Spirit Even living within us, we can preach about Jesus and do every single doctrine that we know and just preach Jesus. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So no matter what, you can preach Jesus. That was free. That's nowhere right there. Next, the acceptable year of the Lord... Now, we read that over in Isaiah chapter number 61, verse number 2, but here again in Luke chapter 4, verse number 19, this is what we should be preaching. Next is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is one of those questions that have come up, and maybe, I don't know, maybe y'all studied it, maybe Brother Dennis preached it at some point, uh, but you have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And they're two. I believe they are two different things. And one of these days, if the Lord will help me, we'll study those out and we'll preach them. But then, that was Matthew chapter 10 verse 7. Then, we ought to preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. We ought to preach repentance. Matthew 3, 1 and 2. Matthew 4, 17. Mark 6, verse 12, preaching repentance. We ought to preach deliverance. You get, you get, kind of get the way this is going. We preach the gospel, the word, Jesus, the acceptable year of the the kingdom of heaven. Christ crucified. But now we're preaching repentance. We ought to preach repentance in Matthew 3 verse 1 and 2, Matthew 4 17, Mark 6 12. We ought to preach deliverance in Luke chapter number 4 verse number 18. Remember Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. He says, I've come to preach the gospel and so that the captives could be free. We ought to preach peace by Jesus Christ, Acts chapter number 10 verse number 36. We ought to preach forgiveness of sin. And I need to say this real quick. We can preach all day long. We can preach until we're blue in the face. We can get up here and we can stomp and snort and near about cuss, being so mad, preaching about sin. But if you never tell folks that there is peace with Christ, all of that harsh preaching is in vain. If you never preach that through Jesus Christ there is forgiveness of sin, like Acts chapter number 38, verse 38 and 39, then that offers no hope of those people that you've just doomed, that you've just told that they are just a wicked, poor, sorry, low-down sinner. I'm glad that when we preach about salvation, we just don't just beat them over the head with, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell. But I'm glad we can say, oh, by the way, there is forgiveness. There is a better way. What do we preach? To whom do we preach? Very quickly. The Old Testament. I told you Psalm 40 verse number nine. The psalmist says, I preach righteousness unto the great congregation. Isaiah 61 verse number one says, to the meek. New Testament. Luke chapter number four, verse number 18 again. There's a lot in there. To whom, to whom do we preach? Luke 4:18 to the poor to the captive same verse Mark sixteen verse fifteen to every creature to the people Acts chapter number 10 verse number 42 and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify it is he which ordained which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And then in Acts chapter number 8 verse number 40 he says this. Now Acts chapter number 8 again is one of my favorite passages. Acts chapter number 8 is where revival happened in Samaria. This is where a lot of the the separated Jews, they all gathered in Samaria. Philip began to preach there in verse number 4 I think. Verse number three said that Saul made havoc. He was, he was persecuting the church and so they were, they were dispersed, if you will, and they gathered here in Samaria. The, the, the people brought them sick and palsied and they brought them all kinds of different diseases, but Philip, Philip was able to heal them through Christ. Verse number eight, it says, and there was great joy in that city. Every time I go to Acts chapter number 8, I'm going to look at verse number 8. There was great joy in that city. Why? Because the gospel was preached. Amen. Why was there great joy? Because God's message of salvation, of hope, of peace, of repentance, of forgiveness, all of those things have been, have been given. You know, Brother David asked us to preach. Did you say, Chris? What was the last name? Underwood. Chris Underwood. Don't know him. I can picture the man you're talking about, but just vaguely. So it really doesn't matter, Brother Jody. But he he said, I want you to do something. I want you to pray for Chris Underwood. Chris may not know a single one of us, but our prayers can do so much on his behalf. So I say that to say this. They brought the unclean spirits. They brought the possessed. They brought those that were with the palsies and that were lame and they were healed. Now we may not be able to go to Chris Underwood. We may not be able to lay hands on Chris Underwood. And I still believe in laying on hands. I believe it's biblical. We may not be able to do that. But we can go to a God in heaven. Right here in America's Georgia. Wherever Chris lives. Wherever his family lives. And we can touch God on his behalf. And you never know. Like Bill Davies said. You never know what Will happen if we pray for him. It, it may not do anything for Chris. It may do something for, for his employee. It may be vice versa, but nonetheless, listen to this. There was great joy in that city. I believe not only because it was preaching, because prayer was made. Let's look at this. He said to all cities, this is Acts chapter number eight, verse number 40, Philip, was found at uh, Az- Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I wish I'd have taken the time, Miss Irene, and looked on a map to find this Azotus and Caesarea, so we can find out how many cities it was, Miss Denisha. But nonetheless, he preached in all cities. So, I- I- is there is there a place that we ought to preach? Yeah. Yeah, I believe God will give us a place. God gave me a place to preach. He moved us to this church. This is where God wants me to be preaching. But in preaching here, there are a whole lot of other places that I can preach other than just in this pulpit. You are the same. You may have a church where you can come worship, but we ought to go into the uttermost regions of the world. We ought to go into the highways and to the hedges. He says, to all cities. So, by no means is this complete or even exhaustive. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I, 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 I don't even know how many scriptures that I've referenced here tonight. But there's a lot more than that that speaks about preaching. So it's definitely not complete. And as I was preaching, other Scriptures were coming to my mind about other examples, both Old and New Testament. And there's more questions. I have more questions. Not necessarily about preaching, but about what we are to preach, this Word. And I'll give you just a teaser. I was reading a book, and they mentioned in uh, Genesis uh 32, I believe it is, talks about Jacob. And Jacob began to recount, he literally began to quote Scripture, if you will. Bro, Jim, the thought came to my mind, they didn't have Scripture then. So how was he quoting that? How was he referring to the promise? Then my mind went back to his granddaddy, Abraham. My mind went back to his daddy, Isaac. Don't you reckon somewhere along the line, Abraham had little baby Jacob on his lap and said, Hey, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about a story when God told me that he was going to multiply my seed. Let me tell you a story about this one time me and your daddy went up on the mountain to worship. (laughs) Oh, I can't deal with y'all people tonight. But, I will say this, until God gives us liberty to to preach that, I could sum it all up in this. We need more preaching. We need more preaching. Let's stand.